Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I have one of my favorite people and dear friends back on the show with me today, Danielle Laporte. Many of you know her. You love her. She's incredible. She's an author. She's a teacher. She drops bombs of wisdom and truth in the most eloquent ways. She's got a new book out called How to Be Loving As Your Heart is Breaking Open and Our World is Waking Up. Sounds pretty timely, doesn't it? If you don't know of Danielle, she is a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100 and creator of the Heart-Centered Membership and Leadership Program with facilitators and coaches around the world. Her new book, How to Be Loving, is a nuanced perspective on the life-changing power of self-compassion, shadow work, and being more receptive to higher guidance. It's a guide on how to use the genius of your heart to create conditions for healing. We talk about all kinds of good stuff in this episode. We talk about inner child talk about radiance. We talk about the pitfalls of the personal development industry. We talk about forgiveness. We talk about higher quality thoughts and so much more. So grab your coffee or your matcha or your maybe gold from Organifi, which I'll get to in a second. Curl up and listen to this podcast or take us on a walk and enjoy. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor, Organifi. Love all their products. You can get green juice, get red juice, get their gold product, which I love, which is a turmeric mix. I like to make it with a little almond milk or coconut milk, heat it up. It's finally cooling off a little bit in Austin. I can have a hot drink. (laughs) Your green juice, you can get little packets, take them when you travel, get the nutrition you need. I'm really loving red juice right now, tons of antioxidants in that. Go to the Organifi website, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash over it. Get 20% off any order, not just your first order, any order. Maybe you want to get their vitamin C packets for travel or just to up your immune system. Everything tastes really good as well. And it's not like that sweet, you know, artificial taste. It's just good stuff. So again, go to Organifi.com slash over it, enter promo code over it for 20% off your orders. All right, everyone. Now onto my conversation with the amazing Danielle Laporte. Danielle, my friend, I'm happy to have you back on the show. Thank you. I'm so glad that we're doing this because A, we're going to, you know, we've got that heart mm-hmm. currency and also I know your new mom exhausted. So this is extra <laughs> <laughs> monumentous. Yeah. yeah. New mom. Now, so you're a veteran mom. Now, what I mean by that is you have a few years under your belt. I'm sure I'm not the only new mom around for the newer, newish moms that are really in the weeds any any tips, anything you wish that someone would have told you when you were yeah. in this phase? I wish somebody would have told me that it's actually all a phase because you think the child is never going to change. And, and, you know, with us being on the personal growth path, mm-hmm. we're so aware of like we know that all these neural pathways are getting laid down in the child right now. And that just creates this like, oh, oh my God, you're not sleeping now. It's like program, they're programming their psyche that they're never going to sleep. And it really is all just a phase. You know, like my kid, my kid did not sleep, didn't sleep. And I found the same thing with having a child that wasn't a a sleeper as like when I got divorced, like (laughs) people without children who don't sleep, do not get it. You're like, no, I shouldn't be driving. I'm so exhausted. If I got pulled over, they would arrest me. And then it was the same thing with divorce. People would be like, aren't you over it? You just, you just split up a year ago. And I was like, oh, you have no idea. So, um, yep. Everything's phase. They will, who knows? Um, your child may go through the, I'm only eating pasta with butter for six months phase. (laughs) (laughs) You think that will never end. 
and it all ends. Oh, and this is the final thing. Um, who she is now is who she is. Yeah. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing? Like you will, I bet, you know, when she's like 15, you're going to be like, you were like that when you yep. were five months old and yep. it'll be a beautiful thing. Yep. But like really pay attention to their personalities now. Oh, it's hard not to even completely sleep deprived. Like one of the things she has done since she is a newborn is, you know, there's all these pictures of these mamas wearing their babies and all, they're all snuggled into the chest. Nope, not Athena. She wants to be facing forward since she was out of the womb. She's like, ah, don't, I don't want my head buried in your chest unless I'm sleeping. Don't try to wrap me up. I need to face forward. And even when you pick her up, she will turn herself around. So she faces forward. And now in the stroller, we have to flip it around so she can face forward. So she's just, she has these little quirks already, which, which we're learning. And I'm glad you mentioned the thing about the personal development, because especially me with all my developmental psychology training, you know, I think everything I'm doing is an imprint. And I'm like, no, I got, I got to look at like the overall picture and not get caught in the minutia because the, the childhood experience is so precious. It's so precious. And we feel so much responsibility as a parent. Yeah. Oh, so, mm. huh? Speaking of childhood, <laughs> one of the things I love doing with you is debunking personal development stuff because we've both been in this world for a long time and we love it and we respect it. And we see sometimes there's guidance that's maybe not the most aligned or maybe not the most helpful, perhaps the most marketable, but maybe not the most helpful. And one of the things that you and I are really, really passionate about working with is the inner child. Mm-hmm. So- how would you describe what what the inner child is first and what inner child work really is about and involves? Mm-hmm. And I love your inner child work that you do with your man as well. You. Um, okay, here's the first thing everything everybody needs to get. Your inner child is not you when you were 10 years old. It's not you looking back at the past of this lifetime. And that's critical to understand because inner child work is not about you going back in time to deal with specific traumas. Do that in therapy. Absolutely. Look at what happened, date, time, etc. The inner child is just a symbol, a term, and a really powerful one. We can talk about why it's such a powerful term for your unconscious self, more specifically, your unhealed self. That's it. It's your unhealed self. Call it the inner child. Why do we call it the inner child? Because most of us, most of, you know, loving people, as soon as we hear the term child, we soften. And that's exactly what we need to do with our wounded self. Mm. And this is another reason I'd love to talk more about your kind of your coaching approach. I was just listening to a clip from one of your podcasts this week where you're talking about the power of gentleness. Mm. And that, that, you know, that's kind of your ethos in coaching. And that's why I think the term inner child is really effective. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when you think, okay, so when I think about working with the inner child, I agree. I, it's not about going back and rehashing trauma. I don't ever think there's any point to go back and rehash trauma and relive trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the only, the, how I look at it is I may go back and speak to my inner child in that traumatic moment and bring them into the present day and say, I got you. Like it's over. Mm-hmm. You're, you're safe now. So when you're doing inner child work, and I know you talk about this more in your book, which we'll talk about, how do you, how do you do the work? 
I am, I approach it as I have the capacity to hold my inner child. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be the mother. So already I feel more powerful. I can feel, I feel supported by my guides, by my soul. And this is the simplest practice I have. I mean, there's, there's lots of them, but one is I put my right hand on my belly. So sacrum, survival, creativity. I put my left hand on my heart center, heart chakra, portal to love, you know? And I say to my inner child, how can I support you to come into balance today? Mm. Or if I'm in a hurry, I can't remember the words, whatever. How can I support you to come into balance today? How can I support you? How can I support you? And I will often do this in the morning. So I'm still lying in bed. It's after morning prayers. And I often will hear answers like, make sure we get to the park. Mm. That's it. Like it's, it's always very simple, very direct healing stuff. Park, water, hot bath, dance, be quiet. I'll mm. often hear a quiet. Just be quiet today. Mm. Mm. Did you always have a connection with your inner child or was it something you had to work towards and develop? No, I thought that was annoying. I thought <laughs> I remember the first conversation I had with my therapist was one of my many therapists, but first time somebody brought the concept up to me, I, I said, well, like, I'm a grown woman getting stuff done. And at the time, I, I, I'd had my own child by then. I was like, I am somebody else's mother. Like, this feels really backwards and regressive. Mm. Wasn't it at all? Mm. Mm. What shifted it for you? Like, what, what had you – because I know for me, um, when I finally met my inner child – like, and, and again, like I know we're, we're saying the inner child isn't like past pieces of you, but I still see it as a part of me. Are you, fam you're familiar with parts work, right? IFS, internal family systems, Richard Schwartz work. Do you know his work at all? I hear so much about it, but really I don't know anything about it. Okay. Well, to simplify it, yes, yeah, to simplify it in, yeah. in kind of an insulting way, because it's, it's a really comprehensive um, modality, but to simplify it is we all have parts. We're naturally, we naturally have parts. You know, we're, we're naturally multiple. We don't have multiple personality. That's, that's a disorder, but we have different parts. Like when we're conflicted, a part of me wants to go to the party, a part of me doesn't. Um, I have a saboteur part that comes in when, you know, I'm feeling too close in a relationship and I'm scared of intimacy. So the saboteur part comes in and sabotages it, but it's really a protector part. And he talks about how the inner child parts are often exiled and there's often a protector part standing in front of them that, that protects the sort of the wounded inner child and getting to know, um, first the protector part is how we access our inner child. So like for me, one of my protector parts is the high achiever. If I just achieve, 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 that keeps me safe. I never have to feel, um, that's how I prove my worth in the world. But behind the achiever was a scared little girl who felt like she didn't belong and who felt really rejected. And I had to kind of move put that achieving side of me aside to actually meet that inner child. And I remember I was in a guided meditation. And when I finally met my, my inner child, my little girl, she was standing behind a tree with her arms crossed and she kept moving around the tree to avoid me. And what I made that mean and what it felt like in my head is that she just was a little 
mad that it had taken me so long to get there. She just felt a little neglected by me. Again, like, was that really what was happening or was that just what I made it mean? But it felt very, very real to me. And that was really the first interaction I had with her. So it took me a while to not just understand inner child work from a mental concept perspective, but to actually feel a connection with that part inside of me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I totally get that. Yeah. So for people that have trouble accessing that part inside of them, like what words of guidance and wisdom can we give them to help really connect to that inner child? Mm -hmm. Have no judgment about what shows up, who shows up, and that the visual sensation of your inner child can change day to day. So I have a meditation called Love and Radiance, which is all about connecting with your inner child. And we work with different color frequencies and um, images in nature. And some days my inner child is six years old when she shows up in that visualization. visualization. Sometimes she's 10. There's times where she's just looked so bedraggled and bummed out. Other times she's like bouncy and joyful. And I'm just like, okay, this is what my subconscious wants to show me today. This part of myself that needs attention. And that is the key, the part of yourself that needs attention. So you, you stay, you stay above the image. You, you really root into like, okay, I am my mother. I am the mother here. I am the parent. I am the God of my life. I am the generator of love. I'm not this image. That is not you. There's a fragment of you. That is a part of you. So like when your own child or any child comes to you crying, you don't, you don't break down and fall apart with them. Say, okay, I got you. I got you. So you stay in the, I got you place. Not like, oh my God, I'm all bedraggled and hiding and ooh, no, 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 no. That's a fragment of you that's coming to ask you to be loving and spiritually mature. And you as a mother, you got this. You got this. Mm, mm, I love that. I think that's incredibly important because with working with clients and people for so many years, I really see that parenting ourselves is, is hard because we weren't parented well. And so when it comes to parenting ourselves, most people don't know how to do it. Like really don't know how to do it. And so much of what I teach in inner child work is, is reparenting. So when we look at, I don't know if you like that phrase or not, but, and feel free to use a new one. When we look at reparenting ourselves, you already gave some insight to it, but what are some other things that we can do? And I want to talk about in a moment, having higher quality thoughts, because I know that's part of it, but what are some things that we can do to be a better parent to ourselves? Because I like to say, it's never too late to have a great childhood. You know, you can, whatever your parents didn't give you or however they messed up, you can grieve that, process that, whatever you need to do to let it go, not bypass it, you know, work your way through it. But eventually you can parent yourself the way you always wish you were, you could be parented. So how do we do that? Like on a daily basis? Daily basis, I would like to go meta with the conversation. So it's like, and really this is the essence of the new book of how to be loving, which is truthful identification. So, you know, the visual that you and I just walked through of like, hey, this child, this inner child image is coming to you. Your job is to be the grown up. 
that, and this is why inner child work is so important. That is you identifying as love. You are going to be the source of compassion and resilience for the inner child. That is who you truly are. So you're not your fragments. You're the, you're the consciousness that can hold all these fragments. And I use the image a lot in the book of the sky and the clouds. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know, Buddhists talk about this so, so beautifully. We use the image of the sky because it's really, it, it literally blows your mind to try and imagine that your true nature, you as a spiritual energy being, is that vast. Your love is that ginormous. It's just like, if you can just, just even try to think about that mm. and you will raise your consciousness mm. and you can see the clouds as your emotions, as your shitty mood, as the dynamic in this relationship that is aggravating you or that you're really ashamed of. It's not who you are. And I, I think we can, can like conceptualize that but this is where like it really becomes actually helpful is that we start to realize we can contain all of this we can pass through all of us so it's like just like as a mother to your inner child or an actual in real life child you can handle their bad mood you can handle their hunger and their tears and their anger and their joy and all that you got this you you just you are loving them you're holding them, embracing it all. The same thing is true for you being a whole person. You can handle your shame. Mm. I'm telling you, you can handle your shame. But you have to realize that you're not the shame. Mm-hmm. You are the being that's aware that, whoa, there is some shame in my container right now. There's some aggravation. There is some genius. Mm. There's bad mood. There's a good mood. So, um, that's the meta answer too. like, I love that. How do we reparent ourselves? See yourself as the source of love. Mm, I love it. I we forget that so often. We forget that mm. so often. And I think shame's a big one. And I think pain, the, the hurt, the, the things that we think we can never, ever get over. Um, when, mm-hmm. someone, when someone comes to you and it has just so much trauma and pain, like really just a lot of tough stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah. And they say something to the effect of, I'm really trying, but I just don't know how I'm ever going to get over this, how I'm ever going to let this go, how it's ever not going to hurt so bad. How do you respond? It's understandable mm-hmm. that you would feel that way. That is it's such a natural response to feel that this is insurmountable because this is massive. So it's like immediate compassion, yep. a, immediate acknowledgement of like the massiveness of whatever they experienced. Even if you don't think it's that massive, if it's massive to them, it's their reality. And um, then I think it's about saying there are ways. So there's, there's tools. You got to find the tools that work for you. And then storytelling is awesome. Like I knew someone in your position and they are thriving and healthy and dynamic. now they thought they thought they'd never get through it. And then finally, and this is, this isn't the last, this isn't the last ditch effort, but you know, 
I have had some people, we've all had some people in our lives or maybe been that person where they just thought, never, they don't even want to hear your comfort. They're so mm-hmm. in that darkness. And all you can do is say, I'm going to hold faith for you. You don't have to believe in you, but I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to check in on you. I'm going to tell you what I know when you ask. I'm going to light candles for you. I know you can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, yeah. I remember, Mary, I think it was Mary Morrissey once said at some, something I was attending, who knows, I've done so many <laughs> things. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was coaching someone and they just didn't think they could get through something. And she said, borrow my belief until yours gets stronger. Because oh, I believe you can. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So I mentioned something earlier I want to circle back to that you talk about in the book. And the book is called How to Be Loving, which I love because I think a lot of us forget how to do that, first and foremost to ourselves, <laughs> much less to other people. And that's it. Like there's so many people are on a mission to change the world. It's like, okay, well, let's just start with being love and being loving because love is a verb in so many ways. One thing that you talk about is choosing higher quality thoughts. And I love that because I know some of my thoughts, especially with sleep deprivation, are not high quality whatsoever. What are higher quality thoughts and how do we break the habit of uh, getting in the cycle of the lower quality ones? I think higher quality thoughts are loving thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to really get this, we have to think of like, actually, like, what is love? What's love then? Love is inclusive. So everything is in. Everything gets loved. Everything, everything. Your shadow and your shame and your brilliance and your beauty. And then you will notice that everybody else's shadow and light starts to seem more, um, maybe not lovable, but you have the capacity to make space for it. You can, you can love others once you really start cooking with love in yourself. Mm. So a loving thought isn't everything's good and (laughs) there's a gift in this and everything happens for a reason. I believe that there's a gift in everything. And I actually believe everything happens for a reason. And the reason is like, it's our, for our healing, but Um, love being inclusive means I'm going to have a thought that allows for what is happening to happen without criticism, without judgment. So I know somebody listening is might be thinking, well, what if something really painful is happening? I'm just going to allow that. It's not about perpetuating it. It's not about saying this can continue. It's about saying, um, well, this is happening, isn't it? It's like, you know what? So there's a painful event in your life, in your day, in your mind. It's the same as a friend coming to you in pain. You don't say, you're not in pain. You need to stop crying. You say, oh, look at you crying. Well, come in. And that's, so that's really step one of loving thoughts is like, okay, I'm going to love what's showing up without pushing it away too much. And then I think there's, there are some characteristics to loving thoughts. And one of them is that you have to believe the thought. So, you know, this used to be my, the contention I had with affirmation, right? In the, in the day, in the day when we were taught to stand in front of the mirror 
no matter, you know, you could be feeling so overweight, but stand in front of the mirror and say, I am thin. And you you know, you're full of shit with that. You And, you know, a loving thought is like you are on board with it. So just to continue with the body metaphor, you could stand in front of the mirror and say, my body has always supported me. If you can't get to like some declaration about what isn't really accurate, <laughs> um, you can't mm-hmm. even get to that. Cause I know some of us so often, you know, them and the medical industry is like such a culprit in this of, you know, telling us that our, our cells are attacking us or how the body is against it. You know, it's just, it's just, I've, my discovery is that's not true at all. But anyway, that was a digression. If you can't believe that your body is always for you, then choose the next most loving thought. Like Mm. lots of people heal. Mm. People believe that their bodies are miraculous. That's a loving thought. And the whole premise underneath of it, underneath all of this is not just to be in a better mood uh, because fulfillment is not about being in a better mood. Nope. You know, by the way, nope. it's about vibration. Mm. And anybody listening to this can at least consider, if not like totally on the vibration train, that what you are vibrating is magnetic. And you will attract more of that. Energy follows thought. Yeah. And this is where I get in my head a little bit about this because sometimes I do not have great thoughts and I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to manifest something terrible. So do we have a little leeway? Like are we allowed some not so great thoughts? You know what I mean? Like, because it's sometimes it's a lot of pressure to keep my energy and my thoughts all in alignment with what I manifest all the time. Like sometimes Danielle, I have shitty thoughts and I just like, get in a loop of them. And then when I add to that, oh no, now I'm going to manifest something terrible because I have these shitty thoughts. Then I get into a cycle of self-beat. So one thing that Mm -hmm. I've had to remind myself is, okay, it's not like my every, every thought is going to materialize. Can we look at the average? (laughs) Because on average, I do pretty good. And energetically, I think I keep myself in a good place. Uh, But are we allowed some room for like just shitty thoughts and shitty feelings? Or do we just need to just be so, you know, regimented? uh, Regiment's the wrong word, but in my my mind, I think of a better word. Militant. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you very much. Or do we have a little wiggle room? This is a great conversation to have because I know everybody's thinking this right now. Um, And I think this every day. Like I've just come out of like a couple funky days relationship-wise. I'm just like, oh, God, I hope I didn't with my day of doubt, you know. Um, Well, I think the hot word and what you said is allowed. Are you allowed? It doesn't matter. You're having them. So that's that. (laughs) Nobody is saying you get to have this thought or the other. It's just, it is what it is. Just let it be in your heart. And we're conscious enough to know like that's not ideal. So ideal is like we love ourselves no matter what thoughts we're having. We're not the thoughts. But we know that we do want to raise the vibe. And my experience is one as pure as possible loving thought or a new, a reframe or a fantastic zinger of a one-liner can really dissolve weeks of low vibe thinking. You, mm. We can recover. We can heal 
I mean, we see this in the planet. I mean, look what happened when so much in life shut down a couple of years ago. Things got lush and abundant and purified. And I think it's the same with our thoughts. It's like, you know, I often have this image of just one candle in a stadium of darkness. It can be seen from everywhere. It affects the yep. whole space. And I think that's the, here we go. This is the, here's the cheese. That is the power of love. And one loving thought can trump a lot of negativity. Yeah. But you, you brought up another great point about the exhaustion of it. And that's a real thing, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I have to be thinking positively yeah. all the time. It's a lot of pressure. And, but how do I do that when things suck, when I'm asleep exhausted, when things are falling apart, when my partner's doing the same thing I asked them not to do, you know, and like, this is the warriorship. This is it. Like, I think a lot of us in this space think of warriorship as like, you know, our light work is social justice and it's about fighting against and fighting for. And sister, it ain't that. It is being gentle with yourself 900 times a day. Yeah. For me, kind of maybe 9,000 times a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That gentleness. And one thing that really helps me is when I notice myself having those more negative, most of my thoughts are not about other people or they're mostly directed at me. It's mostly self-harm. It's not, yeah, I have my moments when I get a bit judgy of other people or gossipy and I'm like, oh, Christine, come on. Like, you know better, do better. Um, but mostly when I think about negative thoughts, it's, it's self-directed. It's, I didn't do this well enough. And oh, being a mom, wow, that's just added to it. You know, I didn't do this enough. I mess this up, whatever. And a statement that works for me is I just say, I forgive myself for judging myself. I forgive myself for judging that person or whatever. And for whatever reason, that word forgive has a vibration to it for me. Like when I really like feel into that feeling of relief and compassion and love, and that's my doorway into loving is, is forgiveness mostly of myself. Because I think that gentleness that you're speaking about, a big part of gentleness is forgiving ourselves for when we're not gentle with ourselves. Because for me, it's hard to switch from having a crappy thought to a loving thought without that forgiving myself for having the thought in the first place, you know? Because I'm really good at thinking I've done something wrong, like so many of us. So, so yeah. Yeah, I love that. And that's, you know, I, we, Steph and I were speaking to a group of 20-somethings um, the other week, and they all were asking questions about purpose. And for them, purpose meant career. And I kept saying to them, I wish I would have known in my 20s. And maybe we're not supposed to know in our 20s. Maybe it's just something that we have to go through. But if more people could get this and more kids could get this, and I'm really committed to helping Athena get this – is that our purpose in life is not a career. There's nothing external. Our purpose really is to love and be loving. Like that's what we're here for. That's how we evolve. And we get so wrapped up in uh, the goal line of life that we, we often forget. So thanks for that reminder to just 
have one loving thought a day. And that's great, everybody. Danielle said, you have one loving thought a day and it erases like all the other ones. So there you go. (laughs) We can do that. We can do that. Okay. I want to talk about a word, a quality of virtue that you speak about a lot that I love. I love the vibration of this word. Could you talk about the seven different virtues in your book? Um, And we can go through several of them, but the one that's popping out at me is radiance. So talk to us about what radiance is and how we can be more radiant. Let's talk about what radiance isn't. It's not about showing up and shining no matter what. (laughs) Oh God, yeah. (laughs) Not about like this forced glow that you're going to be this shiny rock star online or wherever you go. Um, That's a lot of ego. That's, I mean, yes, be the love that walks into the room. Be as positive and encouraging as possible. That's beautiful. That's one way of shining. But radiance in terms of an actual higher state of consciousness, uh, a virtue, has everything to do with the false stuff burning away so that your true light can be seen. And so if you you know walk through this, it means likely that there's going to be some discomfort. Like the, the shiniest, the most radiant people I know, the true ones, have been through the fire. They yep. are the things that raised yep. from the flames. And the burning were things like bankruptcy or um, time in a psych ward or extreme loss. Um, the ego, all the masks just get obliterated and it's, it's can be really painful. Um, and boom, there you are. You're a healer. You're a teacher. You're wise. You are generous. That's the radiance. And I think because my, you know, you lean towards the, that self-criticism, my, thing in equal measure is I lean towards a fear of punishment. Mm. That's my neuroses. So I will think, oh my God, how is life going to burn me down again? (laughs) And you can get ahead, you can get ahead of the burning. Now, some of that can be actually neurotic in that (laughs) you'd be like, you know, I don't want to get crucified. So I'm going to be good and try and get rid of my ego now. And you're doing it from this really neurotic place. But there is this really mature, heart-centered place of letting the ego burn, which is how can I be less of my small self and more of my true self? Mm. And my experience is what happens is you start to more actively let stuff go. Mm. Like, I don't need to be the most famous person in the room. I don't need to, I don't need that car. I don't need that person who is clearly sexier, more in shape than I am to be with so that I (laughs) look sexy and in shape next to them, you know, all those things. So you get proactively, um, you take away some of the masks with more intention Mm. and you become a little bit more radiant Mm. every day. Mm, I love that. I love that word, radiance. Ego, it's a word that is thrown around a lot, talked about. People say, you know, 
it's bad. It stands for edging God out, all that kind of stuff. How do you define ego? Um, like we need a little of it, don't we? It's not all bad. Yeah. Well, I think you're never going to get rid of it because here you are on the planet. Um, I have a more friendly relationship with my ego now than I used to. It's gone. It's gone a few ways. Earlier, there was like this kind of bravado. I love my ego. I needed to navigate. Um, it's really all these things I just said, but I was really coming from an ego place about it. And now it's just like, listen, this is part of the human experience. And I created my ego. It is a construct of my mind. It's actually the mind. The mind is the ego. Uh, and now how I look at it, and this is, I'm taking a, a poetic cue from one of my favorite spiritual teachers is Adyashanti. Um, also, he was born as, I think his, his first name is Steve. Um, and I li always like to throw that in so just people have context. Like he's just this beautiful 60-something guy from California mm. who was an master. And um, he calls it egoing. And the way, the reason this is so, I think, like powerful and practical is that when I do something or I am a way that I'm a, kind of ashamed of, you know, like that wasn't very spiritual. That was arrogant. That was gossipy, whatever. Instead of saying, oh, that's my ego and kind of like pointing at this entity outside of myself. And, you know, like I'm in conflict with it. I say, oh, I was egoing, which the other way to say that is like, I just forgot that I'm love. I forgot that I'm actually a loving person. Just mm. forgot. Mm. Much more gentle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So much more gentle. Why do you think that personal transformation is, for the most part, not gentle? When I look at the whole field, there's a lot of force and quick and not a whole lot of gentle. How did it? Yeah. Yeah. We could do a whole, we could do a yeah. course, a series. We should write a book just about this. Um, because self-help itself, our industry is based, is it's ego driven. The ego has designed the self-help industry. Right. You are not good enough. You should be better. Right. Who, tells, who says that? Not the heart. Um, the heart says any any mystic, any real any Buddhist worth their vows is going to say, gentle. You have to love yourself as is. What are you right now? Okay. All right. Just be with that, and then and then you open one more door to your true nature. Ah, oh, you're raging. I mean, I just had a conversation this morning with one of the wisest Buddhist women I know. And she, Susan Piver, who talked about getting out of her car in traffic to yell at somebody. <laughs> and what's the self-help industry? What, what is our push self-betterment formula is going to do for her in that moment? Nothing. It will make the ego just fight even harder. But what will just love do for her in that moment? Everything. Because when we're raging, when we're doing things we're going to be ashamed of, we're ashamed of in the moment. I've had many of those, um, especially to do with anger and authority. The only thing that's going to help me is if I am just gentle with myself, 
I don't try and fix myself. I go just, wow, this is happening. Okay, this is happening. Just breathe mm -hmm. gently. Mm -hmm. And it discharges what's going on inside of you. So then you're equipped to discharge what's going on outside of you. And that's it. This is, you know, what you're doing, what you're doing is loving through sleep deprivation. Mm -hmm. it, like, uh, it doesn't get more enlightening mm -hmm. <laughs> than that, right? Like, mm -hmm. this is it. I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, I spent my 30s saying things like, I'm so not going to reincarnate again because, like, this is not where I want to be in the universe. And now I'm just like, well, you know what? I'm here. And because I'm here, I, I, I'm going to love being here. Oh, wait a second. Actually, I am love being here. Actually, I'm here because I am love. Mm. That's why I've showed up now. Mm. I don't even, and like the next level, and I'm just starting to wrap myself around this. You know, the next level for that, for me at least, is I don't even need to make the world a better place. Right. If I just ease up with my own existence, I will have done all that I can. And if maybe I can inspire somebody else to do the same and then we all chill out together and then Mother Gaia becomes this beacon of infinite love throughout the solar system <laughs> and we're mm -hmm. good. That's <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think about it. I think about people who I've been in the presence of that you could say are changing millions of lives. Like we could say big people in the industry, right? And honestly – they haven't had as much impact on me as someone who I've sat next to on a plane or who checked me out at Whole Foods who just radiated love. Far more impactful because in those moments I felt seen. And I think that's how we make a difference is off on a daily basis, you can feel seen. You know, I have a one of my best friends in town and She's been on the podcast as well. Her name is Beck Tate, and she, she's an intuitive, and um, all her clients say to her, because I know a lot of her clients, they say, she just sees me. She just sees me. And she was talking to me about it, and she said, I don't know why people say that. I mean, I just, I just love people. And I'm like, well, that's why they feel seen, because you don't see them as, oh, what's their issue that I need to help them solve? You just really see them. And I think that's how we feel loved. And that's how we make a difference. So for all You do that, by the way. That's my experience oh, of you. Thank yeah, you. you. You see. Yeah. As, as to you, my friend, that's why we connect. <laughs> that's why we get each other because we, we see. And, and it, it, it took seeing myself, you know, for all, all of me, not categorizing as these are the good things about me. These are the bad things about me. These are the things I want to keep. These are the things I want to change, but really just accepting all of me and accepting there's certain things about me that just are me. Like I've said on the air before, I worry. I don't think it's ever going to change. Like I think it's just part of the Christine imprint that I am. I'm open to it changing. I'm open to having some massive shift or whatever, but my relationship to it is so different. Because instead of mm -hmm. looking at it like this bad thing about me that I need to solve or fix because I'm doing something wrong or, you know, I say worry is a bad use of the imagination because you're just you're just future fantasizing, but future fantasizing what you don't want. Um, 
And I just go, okay, well, there's that part of me that really cares because that's what the worrying is. I really care about someone or something. And I'm like, oh, that's the part of me that really cares about something, doing the best that I know how to manage all the love that I feel for this thing. Because mm-hmm. the more I love, the more I worry. And the more I can see the worry as just a, a, a way that the part of me that doesn't sometimes know how to deal with all the love that I feel tries to manage it, I can go, oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> and that's such a different orientation to it. And if I think one thing that you're saying that I'm echoing to everybody is gentleness isn't just talking nicely to yourself. It's not expecting so much of yourself as well. Like just letting yourself be. Because I think uh, uh, if we ever do the show on the personal transformation industry and the, the qualms we have about it, one of the things I would say is a very masculine doing approach versus a more feminine receptive being approach. And if we can just be, like you're saying, how to just be loving then so much shifts. I know we're going to start to wrap it up here. As we, as we start to wrap up, I want to circle back to forgiveness for a moment because I think this is a topic that is an important one for all of us. Um, and I want to speak to spiritual bypassing and mm. forgiving when you haven't really gone through the emotions of you know, how hurt you actually are when we just kind of jump to forgiveness too soon. Well, let me ask you, let me back up. Do you think that sometimes we can jump to forgiveness too soon and it's actually not forgiveness, it's just words? Yeah. Yeah. Here are the layers of, of forgiving for me. First of all, I think it's the heart's natural inclination. I think this is, this is what I want to say to most people when they're in In fact, I had a girlfriend come to me a couple of weeks ago. She was in um, a really tight spot with a friend. Is the friendship going to last? Cause of, you know, they both weren't on their best behavior, you know? And, and I said, don't you just want to forgive her though? <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> I, I do, but, 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 like just this nanosecond of love flashes through like, Oh, I would totally love to forgive her. I would totally love to just be friends again. And then she did and then I did and all of that. And I think that's what's underneath everything. And I've had those experiences where somebody did something, you know, that's what it's always about somehow being, you know, (laughs) offended, whatever. And and, um, I wanted to forgive and everybody around me talked me out of it. I let everybody around me talk me out of it. And I will never do that again. To your point about the spiritual bypass, I think that, so just the quick definition for everybody is like spiritual bypassing is when you use spirituality to shellac over something that seems unspiritual, right? So it's like there's unspiritual things that pop up like anger and rage and disappointment and embarrassment and greed and all of those things. And somehow we'll say, um, oh, it was, we'll use a spiritual ism, some trope like, oh, it's just, it's karma or I'm paying for my karma. That's my family of origin stuff. There's a gift in this, like all that's true. But first you got to see what's actually going on until you see the impact of what happened. You can't fully forgive because you're not forgiving the accurate thing. So if you just go, oh, all is forgiven. Well, whoa, 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 wait a second. It's like, are you forgiving a ghost? 
<laughs> for, you know, offending you? Or are you actually forgiving like the real person and the dynamic of that? So I think, yeah, you first need to see it. And then, the you know, the mastery comes in not clinging to it because you can't let it go until you forgive. Um, but I think the important layer here, and this is really, this is really my favorite part of how to be loving is everything is coming for your blessing and nothing is going to leave you until you love it and bless it. So like that shit relationship dynamic, your own, your own anger and disappointment in yourself, all those things you want to shake. And for good reason, you want to move beyond and expand, you know, none of that's, none of that is going to leave your headspace until you go, wow, I love what you helped me become. Mm. I love that. I can even love you for what you are, what you are. And then the thought, because it's all just thoughts, uh, it starts to chill out and then it goes. And then you really stand in your spiritual authority and say, okay, I have loved you. Peace out. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. Uh, there's so much good stuff. And I, I want to talk a little bit about your book, How to Be Loving, which is out now. Everyone can get it on Amazon now, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, it's everywhere. It's yeah. everywhere. It's everywhere. And you can get the book. Danielle has a journal, a deck, all the things. And if you haven't read any of Danielle's books, and she has many, treat yourself. She's one of my favorite writers. And I'm not just saying that because she's my friend and on the show right now. She's an incredible writer and just has a way of saying what takes other people 60 pages to say in a few sentences where you're like, whoa, wait, I got to read that again. Hold on. And she's just a beautiful writer and teacher, as you can probably tell from listening to her. So if you haven't done yourself a favor and gotten a Danielle Laporte book, definitely do. Start with How to Be Loving and just make your way through. How many books have you written now? Five? This is five. This is five. Yeah, that's what I thought. Wow. So good. What can people get from how to be loving? Who should read this book? Oh, thank <laughs> you. That's a great question, which nobody has asked me. <laughs> and I've actually been like training myself, like what, I mean, what is this about? Uh, this is the response I'm getting to the book. This is a crash course in how not to crash. Mm. Um, I thought this was going to be some how to steps. And then I got more deeply into it and it changed the way I thought about myself in a weekend. Mm. And the book is really about deep self-acceptance that changes all of your relationships. Mm. And, and that's it. (laughs) I love it. That's it. Just a Um, small thing. And I do, you know, this is where, you know, I do have some ego pride. I do look underneath a lot of the stuff in our self-help space and say, hold on, that's a little shadowy. Yeah. (laughs) And I think the experience here is you will get to more gentleness and the book is a how-to book without being a how-to book, but I have, I have, I've laced in a lot of little practices. Like this is what I do in the morning. This is what you can do in a conversation. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about rage. Let me tell you, you know, and then we go to the high end of the spectrum. Let's talk about unity consciousness and why you've incarnated. Mm -hmm. There's a reason. Mm -hmm. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay, everybody, go get it. How to be loving. 
Where can everybody get the journal and the deck and everything? Because your decks are awesome too. Everything's everywhere. The book is coming out. um, I'm not sure when we're airing. The book comes out October 11th. If you're listening to this in that week, if you buy a couple copies of the book and come to daniellelaporte.com slash how to be loving, then we gift you with a ticket to church. So I'm doing church with D and friends on Sunday, October 16th. So Leanne Rhymes is going to come and cool. sing for a new album. Yeah. God's work, which is just sublime. Beautiful chorus is coming to sing. Mm. And uh, Michael Beckwith is going to open us up with a blessing. And then I'm going to throw down on forgiveness and true identity. Um, so that's church with D and then the book and the journal come out in November and this is, I mean, obviously I'm, you know, I'm campaigning for love, but just like girl to girl, this is, this is the gift book of 2022. Yeah. So it's just, I designed it to be like really backpack friendly, but it's a little, um, it's a bit of a one, two because it's, it's lightweight, but it's like really deep inside. So yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, I love it. And it's so pretty. It's so pretty. Well, this is going to air this weekend. So it's going to air whatever this weekend is, October 1st or something like that. So this is good because it gives people time to plan and get the pre-orders and all the things. So everybody go and do that. I'm sure many of you are connected to Danielle already. And now you're going to love her even more. Thank you, Danielle, for being my friend, for speaking truth, for seeing me and seeing so many other people. And just for the the channel that you are, you just, you channel some good shit. You really do. And it's high vibe. And I'm not just saying that in a cute way. It's very high vibrational stuff. So, and I know what you've had to swim through to be able to be the conduit for that. So thank you. Thank you for walking your talk. Thank you. Thank you for the love. Thank you everybody for being here. Mm-hmm.